return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Wow. And they said the last prayer of William Tyndale, the reformer who was a Bible translator and so forth, before he was strangled and burnt the last prayer he said was, Lord, open the eyes of the King of England. And some years after that, it was the King of England that authorized the translation of the Bible. So we have the King James Version of the Bible. Any attack on the church must primarily be discerned as direct activity of wicked spirits, demons. Spiritual powers cannot be combated by numerical or physical strength, but they're com- combated by prayer and witnessing for Jesus Christ. Amen. So, so uh, powerful stuff. The Bible, this is somebody, somebody gave me this. If the Bible is just a fairy tale, if the Bible is just a fairy tale, why is it banned in 52 countries? No one goes to prison for reading Cinderella. If it was really made up and it doesn't have any power, why do people ban it? It's banned because it's the most powerful, anointing, freeing, transforming book in the universe. And that's why it's banned. That's why, that's why the devil hates it. <laughs> and that's why we read it, amen, and we embrace it as the truth of God's word. Hallelujah. So, 2 Timothy 3, let me just recount a couple of things. 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 13. Uh, you followed my doctrine, my manner of life. So his, exa- his lifestyle was a witness for Paul. Purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse. So as we approach the last days, there will be a greater polarization from evil to good. The light will shine brighter. When it's darkest, the light shines brighter. It's interesting in the Christmas season, and people decorate a tree or they put decorations outside. And if you drive around in the daytime, you'd never see them like the sunny outside. You'd never see them. They shine the brightest when it's dark. So we have to understand that, that our light shines brightest when it's the darkest. So we want to be lights for Jesus. And notice there the suffering, suffering, uh, all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer. The context of suffering in the New Testament is never a sickness, never a disease, but the context deals with persecution. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 then Paul says that I might know him, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. So suffering is something, suffering, now we're talking about persecution, is something they actually embraced. They didn't run from it. They actually didn't pray against it. It's something that they embraced as normal Christianity. 
so that I might know him, the fellowship of his sufferings. Now notice it's his sufferings. Again, Jesus was never sick. <laughs> Jesus was never in pain, you know, other than on the cross. But Jesus didn't suffer with sickness, disease, all those things. But he did suffer rejection. He did suffer persecution. He did suffer humiliation and all that stuff, right? Amen. So the book of Acts chapter 4 again. We have to watch our actions and our reactions because people are watching us. If we say that we're a Christian, what will others think? Gandhi was with a minister in South Africa. Uh, I think it was in the 40s. Uh, and this minister, they were, of course, you had racial separation between those that, that were non-white and those that were white. And... and uh, so Gandhi was with this minister, and people were going to attack them, and the minister turned around and ran. And Gandhi said, I thought your book says you turn the other cheek. Let him hit you, turn the other cheek, you know. One of the quotes of Gandhi that says, I might have become a Christian if I ever met one. It's a very sad statement. So people are watching your life. What you say is one thing, what you do is another. What we do is more powerful than anything else. We can tell our children a lot of things, but they're going to watch us. You can tell your children, serve the Lord, serve the Lord. But if you're never, if you're never sitting in the chair reading your Bible, or you're not praying over your food, or you're not praying as a family or anything like that, well, your words mean really nothing. Remember, Jesus looked at the Pharisees and he says, do as they say, not as they do. Their actions were terrible. <laughs> So our actions, what we, what we say and do, are very, very powerful. So Acts 4, so the, the apostles were persecuted. A man had been healed and so forth. And then they prayed, Lord, look, look uh, let's go to Acts 4, verse 17 and 18. Do we have that? There we go. So, so they, they uh, threatened them. So this gospel, so it doesn't spread. Let us severely threaten them that from now on, they speak to no man in this name. Now, the key is always the name of Jesus. There are many gods. There are many lords and so forth like that. But the name of Jesus is the key. That's why we want to speak his name. That's why there's power in his name. That's, that's why when, when, whatever we do, we're doing it in the name of Jesus. So, so they called them, they commanded them not to speak nor teach in the name of Jesus. Notice that's the emphasis here. Because that's what they were doing. So, and Peter stands up and says, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than him, you, you judge that. In other words, you better talk to him about this because this is what we're going to do. We're going to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard, which are, is a powerful statement. Amen. So they go back in verse 29 and th through 31 then. They go back, and this, this is their prayer. Lord, look at their threats. So, Lord, you see this. These are threats. Grant to your service that with all boldness they may speak your word. Now, notice they didn't pray against them. Notice they didn't pray judgment. They didn't pray anything at all about the people. They just said, those are the threats. Grant to us that we could have boldness to speak your word. It's not my word, it's his word, right? Amen. Boldness to speak your word. And then they said that stretch out your hand to heal. Signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So they're, th they're thinking ministry, amen? 
They're thinking miracles. They're thinking blessing. Let's, we want to bless more people. So, Lord, stretch out your hands that more people would be touched. And when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now, I, I want to grow in that. Amen. We read these verses from a place of being in total peace and like a cocoon in our society in the United States. But nevertheless, you have to try to put yourself into their shoes over what they faced, the threats that they faced, and then to stop and think. We, we prepare this way, right? You prepare thinking about it spiritually to think, okay, now what would my response be? How am I going to react towards someone threatening me, criticizing me, lying about me, whatever it is, amen? Acts chapter 5, again, the apostles' response, Acts chapter 5, and they come back again, the very next chapter, it says, did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? So, so here again, now they come back again, they're threatening them, they arrest them, and so forth. You filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. And Peter and the apostles said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Now, now notice... Notice the thing here, as far as their, their uh, stand, wasn't again against them and so forth, but their stand is all about Jesus. Their stand is supporting the Lord and following the Lord, the things of the Lord. Let's go to verse 40 then. So in verse 40, it says, they called the apostles and they beat them. So you know here, that, and this happens numerous times in the Bible, but but we don't, know, we don't know all that they did. But let me just say this. I'm sure it didn't feel good. So they call them. They command them not to speak in the name of Jesus. They beat them. Now, so they're leaving. They're leaving with bruises and wounds and maybe a little blood and so forth. And they go from the presence of the council. Now, now notice how their attitude is. They're rejoicing. I found this remarkable. Amen. They're rejoicing that they can suffer shame for his name. They're rejoicing that they're included with the company of Jesus, the sufferings of Christ. Rejoicing, okay? So, so they physically hurt. They've been beaten. They've been shamed in the, in the public arena in that way. But back to the church, hell, hallelujah. They're excited. They're excited that the gospel is working, Amen. that things are happening. Amen. And so daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease. They did not stop teaching and preaching, but they continued to proclaim Jesus Christ. So daily, they just continued on with the activity. Under persecution, the believers, the believers never prayed against the government. They never prayed against religious leaders. That was never their stand. But they asked for boldness to teach and preach Jesus. They even forgave their accusers or those, in Stephen's case, those that killing them. So we have to, have to understand that in the Bible, the response to persecution was always vertical. The natural response, if someone is attacking me, my natural response is to defend myself. That's my natural response, to either physically defend myself or also to retaliate with my words. We can remember years ago the different things happened and so forth. And we, we had prayer meetings and so forth. We're speaking against this group and speaking against this these demon, all these things like that. 
But you see, the importance is being in the Word because God will continue to kind of correct you, right? He'll continue to lead you into truth. And so as we, as I kept learning Scripture and so forth, they realized, ah, uh, oh, thank you, Lord, forgive me. Help me to respond the way you want me to respond. To respond like Jesus would respond, like he did respond. Respond like the apostles responded. They never defended themselves. They didn't fight against those that, you know, in some countries they cane people. Or they take whips and beat them that way. They didn't do that. They might have covered their head or something like that. But they never retaliated back. Something for us to see. Let's look at Luke chapter 13 a second. Luke 13. So Jesus is ministering, of course. And the Pharisees, some, some Pharisees. Now, there were Pharisees that began to believe, most of them privately. But they came to Jesus and they said, you've got to get out of here. Herod wants to kill you. So they had, they had all the inside knowledge, all right? So Herod wants to kill you. This is, this is you've got to get out of here. You've got to leave this place. And Jesus' response is, go tell the fox, I cast out demons, perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I'll be perfected. But basically what Jesus is saying, I'm going to continue to proclaim the word. I'm going to continue to do what my father asked me to do. I want you to notice he didn't, he didn't condemn Herod. Jesus didn't say, all right, all right, apostles, let's get over here. We're going to call down fire and we'll just burn his castle. <laughs> will burn his place. Never did that. Never spoke ill. Now, why is this important? Because the disciples, in turn, were had to follow Jesus. And one of the, like John said, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says, can you be baptized with the bapti- baptism that I'm baptiz- baptized with and so forth? And he said, yes. And he said, you will be. You're going to face the same persecutions and so forth that I have. So Jesus, his response was all about, no, I'm going to continue doing what my father wants me to do. So he says, I must journey today, tomorrow, the day following. Cannot be that a prophet perish outside of Jerusalem. So I'm going to continue to fulfill the work of God that he's put in my life. We have a mission, right? So our mission isn't, isn't, our, mission isn't our job. Our mission isn't like where we live or all those things are accumulating things, all that. Our mission ultimately is to live for Jesus Christ. Our mission ultimately is to be a light for the Lord. When I got saved, my parents hated me. I went from being a good Lutheran boy to someone now who they thought was terrible. I quit drinking. I quit running with the crowds and so forth. And now all of a sudden I was going to Bible studies and heaven forbid that my mom learned even one day I spoke in tongues. And I kept witnessing to them. How long did I witness? For years, decades. Going home to to, uh, family gatherings, Christmas gatherings. Holidays were always a difficult time. They did not like us because of what we stood for. So they could say, well, they, they were serving God, their religion, but now we kept talking about Jesus. And so for decades, we kept witnessing, planting seeds, loving my family. My brothers would condemn me. They'd say, you're a, like, you're the biggest loser. You could have been something in life. They made lots of money. They did all kinds of things. And we'd have to leave my hometown shaking our clothes. But still loving my family. Well, the same for Jeannie's family. 
But the thing, thing is, you keep doing what he wants you to do. Amen? And eventually, all my brothers, after a whole series of things in their lives, all of them got saved. My mother prayed before she died. She gets saved. My dad prays before he dies. He gets saved. Jeannie's family gets touched by the Lord as well. So the whole thing is, is that we must stand for what is right, regardless of whether it's popular or not. In Mark chapter 10, here's an interesting verse. In Mark chapter 10, the disciples said, Lord, we've left all, we've left all to follow you. All right. And Jesus said, there's no one who's left a house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands, notice, with persecutions, and in the age to come eternal life. Now this, this sometimes actually has been used in offerings. Hundredfold increase, hundredfold increase, has nothing to do with an offering. Has everything to do with the fact that if you're going to follow me, you're going to serve me. You may not have a normal house or whatever, but I'll make sure you always have a roof over your head where you sleep. I'll take care of you. And indeed, around the world, we have been in God only knows how many houses and welcomed into how many families and people that embraced us either as a mother or father or vice versa. And their children become our children. Communication to this day with all kinds of people all, all around the world. So this scripture has everything to do with the fact of being a witness for Christ and understand there's going to be persecutions. That's the purpose of this, right? The context is I'm not going to get, I've got three brothers. I'm not going to get hundred, hundred more brothers. No, my mom's dead. I'm not going to get a bunch more sisters. I'm not going to get a bunch more mothers. No, that's, that's all, that's in the natural. This is talking about the supernatural. This is talking about the spiritual. So when he says a hundredfold increase, yeah, I'll take care of you as you move from place to place or do this or this or this. There will be persecutions. The book of Acts, the, the, there was great persecution in Jerusalem, which scattered the disciples. And they went around the world, of course, preaching the gospel. Remember, you know, folks, as we do this, remember the importance of us all buying into what the scripture says, because in the last days... Brother betrays brother. Sister betrays sister. Parents betray kids and kids betray their parents. Those are hard things. Those are hard things if, if your family turns you in. Or says, yeah, they're the one, go arrest them. That's a hard thing. Let me ask you this. If you were arrested, if you were arrested, if you were brought to the police station, is there enough evidence to convict you? Would there be enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian? In other words, what, what difference is your life? How is your life different than everybody else at your, where you work? Does anybody even know you're a Christian? Difference than anybody else where you go to school? Does anybody know you're a Christian? When I got saved, it wasn't too long after I was saved. I was in the commons in Larson Commons and... And, and uh, people knew me as an athlete and so forth at South Dakota State. But now I'm in the commons and I'm eating by myself and so forth. And just, just uh, now living a different life. 
And so I would go into the commons, I'd get the food, I'd say, thank you, Jesus. I'd, I'd stop and I'd pray and so forth like that. No one taught me this. It's just the Holy Spirit will teach you things. And eventually people came over to the table and said, hey, hi, Dave, uh, uh, what happened to you? What, what happened to you? That was their question. I said, what do you mean, what happened to me? I'm eating my food and so forth. I said, well, you're different. You're praying. We're watching you. You're praying over your food and so forth. You talk different. You live different. I said, well, yeah. I said, I, I had an encounter with Jesus Christ. People were shocked. There should, be, there should be some evidence, right? Evidence in our lives that we belong to Jesus Christ. People get in a lunchroom or whatever. You might have a lunchroom at work. Are you praying over your food? Or what if you were fasting and you were in the lunchroom just, just praising God? Nothing against that, by the way. See, how, how does our life different than anybody else? Those are questions we have to ask ourselves. Someone comes up, does anybody know about Dave? Does, does this guy, a Christian, is he really a Christian? Is he acting like, oh, I've seen what he does. Or someone said, I don't know, I've worked with him for 20 years, never knew anything about him. He goes to church like I go to church. Going to church is not the witness. The name of Jesus is the witness. Lots of people go to church. Lots of people have a church membership. That's not the issue. If the issue is following Jesus Christ. Amen? So the response again of the apostles and so forth was vertical. Acts chapter 16. So we see Paul and Silas. They, they minister to a lady who was a fortune teller who made money for her owners that guided her. Pause a second. Here's an advertisement for the gifts of the Spirit. Why is it that people, you can dial nine, 900, dial a demon, and people are dialing into all those things because they want to get a word. They want to get a word about their life. Why is that no one ever actually thinks a Christian hears from God? That a Christian gets, gets things from the Lord and say, and people aren't coming and say, can you pray for me? I really, I mean, at a crossroads in life, can you pray for me? Well, the reason they don't do that is because they don't know it exists. They don't know that Christians walk in power. They don't know Christians believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They don't know that Christians can have a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. So they never ask Christians. They're just calling, they're just calling dial a demon. And getting a word from somebody, you know, and folks in states, California, so they're licensed. These, these people are licensed people. They're making money like crazy. All right. Big incomes. Calls, 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 calls. This is what I see. This is what this and that. And of course, that's all demonic. There's demonic power. Yes, there is. But there should be in believers where people look at us and say, boy, aren't, don't you believe in miracles? Don't you believe this or that? Can you pray for me? Yes, I'll pray for you. What our builder was talking to one day, the con- general contractor and so forth, and he mentioned... To me, he said, my daughter's boyfriend, da-da-da-da-da, cancer report, tumor, this and that. Can you pray? Don't ask me. Why? Because he knows we pray. We prayed in his office. We prayed for him before. And we prayed. And five days later, he's in tears. And he said, I just just can't believe it. There was a tumor, but there's no tumor now. They thought they were going to amputate this and that. Don't have to do that now. 
There's real life things, real life things, not weird, not hocus pocus, not spooky, just real life things that we can talk to the Lord in the name of Jesus. We can speak in the name of Jesus and there's power in the name of Jesus. These are good things. Amen. These are good things that should cause people to want to seek us out. We've had people come to the church at different times. Your church believes in miracles. They don't, they don't belong here or anything like that, but they hear about it and then they come. They'll visit with Jeannie. Ladies will visit with Jeannie. Many, many cases. Come and have prayer and so forth like that. And God works. They don't join the church, but God works. You know, many people were healed by Jesus, but never followed him. Thousands were healed by Jesus, but never followed him, but it never stopped him. We still want to proclaim the gospel, right? The gospel doesn't have like in it. It's, it's not like, well, I'll pray for you, but you got to join our church. Or people get baptized in places, but no, you got to join this church. We got to baptize you if you join our church. <laughs> well, no, you're not baptized to a church. We're not making disciples of a church. We make disciples of Jesus Christ. So again, book of Acts. So the multitude rises up against uh, Paul and Silas. Now, now they were upset because this woman got set free. So a good thing happened, but the people are upset. They tear off their clothes. They command them to be beaten with rods. So you, know, you have to picture this. So they're angry. It's not like, uh, Paul, can you loosen your pants? Can you pull your pants? No, they tore off their clothes. They tore off their robe, strip them down. All right. And now they take rods and they beat them probably on their back or their backs or their legs. Doesn't feel good. But they beat them with rods. They laid many stripes on them. So probably, probably you had open wounds, blood oozing out of the sores that were on them. And then they throw them in prison. They command the jail to keep them securely. It's a big deal. So it said, having received that charge, he puts them in the inner prison. So now there's no windows or anything like that. They're in the inner prison. Their feet are in stocks, so they have chains around them. So they're sitting in the inner prison, probably leaning against a wall or something. You know, folks, uh, American jails are like the Holiday Inn. You go around the world, let me just say this. You do not want to be in jail around the world. You do not want to go to jail around the world if you can avoid it. Go to jail in the United States. Holiday in almost comfy, comfy mat. You got food, you got TV, you got all these things. Got the Internet if you want it. They got rights. You don't have that other places. John, do you remember we were we were sitting in Paris. We were sitting in Paris and uh, on a plane. We were going to Liberia. So we had to go to uh, uh, Guinea, I think, first landing Guinea and going to Liberia. So we're sitting in the plane, and I'm, I'm just kind of just relaxed, you know, the plane's filled up, and all of a sudden we hear screaming. I'm thinking, what? What's going on? I'm thinking, it's not a baby, but there's screaming going on. And so uh, pretty soon I think it's from behind me, you know, we were, we're kind of in the middle of the plane, or maybe two-thirds back, big planes. And I look in the back, and there's a guy, just he's screaming. He's got a spit mask on him and so forth. He's got people around him, and he's just he's making a commotion. And so the more he's, now the plane, the plane is full. Now they're done. They brought this guy on at the end. They're ready to go. 
And so, so as we're sitting there and so forth, pretty soon it got, it really got weird, you know. So people started standing up and saying, what's going on here? And, they, and then some people wanted the guy off the plane and so forth. And the more this went on, the more police gathered. So pretty soon I looked out my window. Here was police lining the runway. They got their guns. Got another guy walking down the aisle, both aisles. Plain clothes, guns. And so forth. We've got people pointing their hands. They're saying, they should get him off the plane. Stop this stuff. All these things like that. So behind us was a group of Americans. And the Americans, you know, they're Americans. So they whip out their phones. And we don't have to stand for this. And put on their phone. They're going to take a picture. And boom. There was an officer there with a gun. Give me that phone. And the guy says, we have rights. He says, you have no rights here. You're in our country. I'll take that phone. He shut that guy's mouth up as soon as you could say one. And he was down in his seat. No rights. No privileges. You're not. I don't care who you are. You're not an American here. You have no rights. See, we think, we think, oh, we have rights and this and that. No rights. No rights. We can, we can complain, but folks, I don't see them complaining. I don't see them protesting. They did a good thing. They knew they did a good thing. And now they're beaten for it. And maybe as they were beaten, maybe Paul and Silas encouraged each other like, brother, just hang in there. Jesus is greater. God is good. We'll just keep hanging in there. It was a question of rights. So what happened then? Oh, we're back at the sign there. So what happened? <laughs> so you have the kingdom of darkness reacting against the kingdom of light. We'll see if we get that back as an X, X, uh, do we have 25, 26? So the kingdom of darkness reacts against the kingdom of light. That's what happens, right? What happens when there's light and dark? What happens if you, pour, if you take ice cubes and you have them in your sink and then you pour hot water, they'll pop, they'll pop, won't they? Well, here, you know, uh, Acts 16, if you still have it, Acts 16, verse 25, the darkness reacts and the place is shaken. There's an earthquake. Right. And when the earthquake happens, uh, uh, the foundations are shaken in the prison. Now, here's Paul and Silas at midnight, say midnight. So during the day, all this happens. Now it's midnight. Plenty of time for uh, the blood to clot, sore, feel sore, all this. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, singing praises. And now notice this. The prisoners heard them. So they're not singing softly. I can imagine, you know how it'd be if, if you're in a jail and you've got other people in jail that are not Christians, and you start praising God and so forth. Hey, shut up! You know, people are saying, and maybe another, a number of other four-letter words to get people to be quiet. And they didn't stop. So they're praying and they're singing praises it's midnight and the prisoners heard them. Now, you have to understand, go into the story. There's a lot happening here. A lot happening like Jesus saved our lives. Jesus made me whole. My testimony, I once was lost, I was religious, I was blind, but Jesus saved my life. 
And they're sharing stories about Jesus. They're sharing testimonies. They're sharing things at midnight. And, and keep in mind, they don't have a little egg timer thinking, if we can just do this for another 10 minutes, then the place is going to shake and the doors are open. No, this is just what they're doing. This is their, this is their attitude, a response to the persecution. They weren't praying against the leaders that, that beat them. Lord, deal with him, get them, it's over. Get that jailer, he, he, he bruised my leg. Nothing. All of it is vertical. And the prisoners are listening to these guys. Listen, in jail, word passes around. They know, hey, these guys were arrested. They did what? They helped that lady and they arrested Oh, They beat him and they did that and they put him in the inner prison like in the hole. They know all about that stuff. And they're in there praising God. And the prisoners hear them. Suddenly there's an earthquake. The foundations are shaking. Immediately all the doors are open and everyone's chains are loose. You look at the whole thing. All the doors are open. All the doors are open. So, so you, got, you got a boom. Doors are open. And everyone that had chains, which is probably most of them, in one way or another, clink, they're off. Now the jailer, the next verse is there. The jailer, of course, assumes, as we would all assume, they're gone. They're going to take off and run. So the jailer comes in, the keeper of the prison. He's awake. And he sees the prison doors open. So you can look down a hallway and think, oh, they're gone. And so supposing they left, he draws his sword because he knows it's his life. Because you lost prisoners, you're, we're going to kill you. So he takes his sword. He's going to kill himself. And Paul cries, notice a loud voice, do yourself no harm, we're all here. There's no, you know, invictive uh, uh, way toward Paul, like, yeah, let him kill himself. He deserves to die. Look how he treated us, you know. You don't have any of that. So don't, don't kill yourself, we're all here. We're all here in this place. Go to the next verses. And so the, the guy comes to Paul and Silas. He brings them out. What must I do to be saved? Now, how does he know this? Because he's been hearing. So all the prisoners are still there, but their doors are all open. And he says, what must I do? Boy, I, I want what you've got. My life, you know, I got my family, my kids, but I tell you what, my life is depressive. I want what you've got. Folks, I really believe our light, our light's shining brighter and brighter that people are going to see in you hope. And they're going to want the hope that you have. Amen. They're going to want the fact that you're in this relationship that they may not understand, but they see in you hope. You're still smiling. You're still rejoicing. You're still a light for the Lord. All these things. So, so Paul just says, all you got to do is believe. Believe in Jesus Christ and you'll be saved in your household. Incidentally, some people use this for infant baptism and say, well, there had to be a baby in that house. I said, there's not a baby in my house. Why would you assume there's a baby in that house and they baptize the baby? I mean, isn't that kind of weird? You're going to build a whole doctrine around that? Well, they baptized this house. Had to be a baby there. No. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all that was in his house. And of course, you know the story. The guy gets, the guy gets saved. Now, let's go, let's go to these last verses here. This is interesting. So he took them the same hour of the night. He washed their stripes. Immediately, all his family were baptized. When he had brought them into his house, he set food before them. So they go out wherever there's a pool or whatever. They baptize him. They go back to his house. They have dinner. Now, it's the middle of the night. You've got to understand this. It's the middle of the night. So maybe now it's 2 in the morning. Or maybe it's 3 in the morning. He sets food before him. He rejoices. 
Because, you know, there's something about having this relationship. It's just the peace of God is supernatural. It's not believing in a religion. It's a relationship with the living, loving Savior, whose name is Jesus. Now, now, so this is, this is the story. However, let's pause there to realize this. They eat dinner. I'm sure they were just praising God and so forth. They blessed his family. And what did they do? Paul and Silas, I don't know about the other prisoners, but all, they get up and they walk back to their cell. They go back to their cell. That's where they were at. Probably not a comfortable place. Maybe they had a mat. I don't know. But they go back to their cell. Because it says, when it was day, the magistrate sent the officer, said, let the men go. So the keeper of the prison reported those things to Paul. He says, hey, they said you can go now. So what did he do? He went back to the cell. Hey, you're free to go. They spent the night. I've got to be honest. I've been out of there. I've been long gone doing something else. Thank you, Jesus. You said away. Woo! We're out of here. They weren't out of there. They stayed. In fact, in fact, when when they say, hey, they said, we're let them go. Paul actually said, no, no, we're we're staying here. You beat us without without any uh, judgment or whatever, without any evidence or, or stuff. They're going to come themselves and they come back and say, they're not going until you come back and ask them to leave. They're very bold. And then they go in from there into the neighbor's house and preach the gospel. You know, bold in Christ. That's amazing, folks, to think about it. They stayed. They continued on. If we have a hard time worshiping here, or if you have a hard time worshiping in your house, you're going to have a hard time worshiping in public, you're going to have a hard time worshiping if you were in jail or if you were in uh, uh, tortured or something like that. This is all everything we're doing is part of cultivating the presence of God now, but also building godly habits for the future. Quickly, Acts 17, Acts 17. So all through the book of Acts, you see these uproars and so forth, but it's all about Jesus. So they dragged Jason, some of the brethren of the rulers of the city, crying, these men, notice the word, these men who've turned the world upside down have come hither also. This is a good report. It's a good report. These Christians, they're, they're, just, they're just in love with Jesus. They're just lights and so on and so forth. They've turned the world upside down. And here they are also. Ultimately, that's why the world will want to get rid of us is because just by looking at us, there's a standard. We're not going to live like the world. We're not going to act like the world. We're not going to talk like the world. We don't have any of the standards of the world. So by looking at you, it's like, I don't want them around. Turn the world upside down. And notice what Jason's. Jason harbored them. Notice what it says. They're all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, Jesus. There is another king. Say another king. The king we're serving, ultimately, I live in the United States, but I'm serving Jesus Christ. He is my king. He is the one that I have loyalty to, that I worship, that I honor. And there, there's the thing, folks, around the world, this is what we're going to proclaim. There is a king. His name is Jesus. And people say, well, we have a prime minister. Well, we have a president. Well, we have... No, but there's another king. 
a higher king, and his name is Jesus Christ. And that is who we proclaim. Amen. That's our focus. That's our citizenship in heaven. Amen. Let's go to Philippians 4 a second. Philippians 4.14. So Paul writes to the church at Philippi where it happened where he was in jail. And so where he was at in jail, of course, everybody in Philippi knew what happened. Hey, these, these guys were singing in jail. These were singing in prison and so forth. And so to the Philippians, he writes, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Now, people can parrot that. Now, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. But if you think about Paul... And Paul was, was this, had this good report of faith. And when Paul writes it to the Philippians, it's like the weight of it, like, yes, that's what he did. That's how he lived his life. He rejoiced always in all situations, no matter how he felt, no matter what they said, no matter how they treated him. He rejoiced. So the weight to the Philippian church was very simple, but powerful, true, true report. You can't write that. Rejoice in the Lord always and say, weren't you the guy bellyaching in jail? Weren't you the guy complaining? Weren't you the guy that threw the, the slop back at the guard and all that? No, he couldn't say that then. Well, that doesn't mean anything. To, he didn't, doesn't do this, but he did do that. And so to write those words... Just simple things. What are that? One, two, four, five, six, ten words. Powerful words. And they're words for us today. If we try to slip on his shoes and be in his position to think about it. Okay, Lord, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to rejoice in all situations, whatever happens. Even, even in poor health or even in whatever, I'm still going to rejoice that you're bigger. Maybe I don't see an answer to prayer. I'm, I don't care. You're still, you're still my answer. Amen. Ultimately, I know you should know we're leaving this life. If I if I, you know, just just wonderful certain ways, whatever. But we don't know how we're going to leave it. So we want to leave it rejoicing. Amen. Even Marla had the presence of the Lord. Marla had the presence of the Lord, could not talk, could not verbalize a lot of things and so forth. But as she hung on to Jeannie's hand, then one day to my hand as well, she had the presence of the Lord. We talked about that, his presence, the peace of God. We go through a lot of things in life, folks, but put yourself in these shoes. Okay, this is right today. I don't have any pain. I feel great. Hey, I'm going to keep rejoicing. And the days maybe that aren't so good, keep rejoicing. Keep tipping your head up. Keep that vertical relationship. That's what they always did when they were persecuted. Amen. Anybody listen to us, even Facebook Live, a lot of you are from other countries and you face adversity and you face things in your life in many ways. But God is for you, not against you. He's on your side. You can click this. Anybody listen to it. You can click it and share it with somebody else and say, hey, we're getting ready for the return of Jesus Christ. This God is raising up an army of believers for him. The king, the captain of their salvation is Jesus Christ. This is the time we shine for him. This is a time that we're ready for the days that are coming before us. So, Father, I thank you for your blessing. Every person here, Lord, how you're working in their life in such wonderful ways. Jesus, we thank you that you are our king, our savior, our Lord. We trust you, Jesus. And, Lord, help us. Help us in every way to live what your word says. 
to live it out, Lord God, in our daily lives for your glory. Help us, Lord, people that are watching us, everybody here, people's watching you. Help us, Lord, to to be that light, to not be a stumbling block, but to be a light for your goodness and grace. Help us to speak well to people around us. Help us to speak well on our jobs and and wherever at school, wherever we're at. Lord, thank you for life coming forth today in Jesus' name. So thank you for blessing your people here, those watching right now online. Thank you for blessing them supernaturally in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Hallelujah. Shake some hands. Encourage one another. Amen. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylifeatbrookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.